Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today, I hope people who recycle hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And if you are a new listener, then welcome. And my frequent listeners would know that I recently had a child. My wife gave birth to her first baby girl roughly a month ago now. Our, our daughter is just over a month old, and we have been loving life as parents. We, we love spending every moment with our daughter. And when I had to go back to work after the birth, I was really sad because that meant that the amount of time I could spend with her was now reduced, even though I work from home. So I, my situation is far better than most people's because every break or every lunch break, whatever time I can step away from my computer, I come downstairs from my office to play with my daughter. So it's far better than most people. So I am I am very blessed and I know that I am I'm very lucky, but there's still yeah, I I wish I could just spend all day with her. And the reason I'm telling you guys this is because I want my motivation of today's episode to be abundantly clear. The reason I'm talking about today's topic is because I want the earth to remain habitable. Well, may, maybe not even that extreme, but I, I just want the earth to be safe to live in for at least the next 80 years. That might change when I have a grandchild, but at least for the duration of my daughter's life, I want the earth to be a safe place to live. And I think that the plastic crisis that I am going to talk about today, it is a threat to that desire of mine. So that's why I'm talking about it. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have cared about this if I didn't have a daughter, but I think all parents will tell you that there is a difference between caring about the next generation and caring about your own child's future. I don't know, maybe I'm just selfish like that and maybe I'm, I'm unique, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to take away anything from anyone's concern for the the future generations by saying that you don't know what it is that you're really concerned for because you don't have a child. I'm just saying that for me personally, it gave me a sense of urgency and it's it's much more real than it has ever been before. So when I came across this, I actually came across a few articles talking about this plastic crisis that is happening. And it really alarmed me because I, d- I didn't know that it was happening. There was not a lot of media coverage over this. Maybe there was, maybe I, I missed out. You guys tell me if I did or not. But the conversation really, I don't think, is happening that much right now. So I wanted to at least start it or at least just bring it back if if this is something you guys are aware of. Aware of. So... Before getting into what the actual plastic crisis is, I wanted to talk a little bit about plastic in general. The reason why I think too much plastic on Earth will be bad for the health of my daughter in the future, and thus the health of every human being, is because the fumes of plastic that is burned have been known to be very 
unhealthy. It has adverse effects on the respiratory system of humans. And there was a paper that I read today that actually suggests it might be carcinogenic, meaning that it might cause cancer. So plastic, too much of it, if we don't know how to get rid of it, people might start burning it. And those fumes are, are bad for people. I'm not even going to get into the effects of plastic fumes on the environment and atmosphere because I don't want to get into the is global climate change global climate change real or not on this podcast I'm I can talk about it in the future in a later podcast but I just don't want people to argue that point for this one for this episode because I think there's abundant and irrefutable evidence of plastic being plastic being harmful to humans directly that I think we can bypass the whole issue of negative effects on the environment and if that really is significant or not. So let's not get into that. I'm only going to focus on plastics effects on humans. So those fumes are bad for people. It can have, it can cause adverse, like I said, adverse effects on the respiratory system, which means it'll be harder for you to breathe and it can lead to cancer. So plastic bad and when i i live in the u.s i live in atlanta so in in a developed country like this plastic burning doesn't happen often i don't think but a few years ago my wife and i were in tanzania on missions and a lot of the waste that they gather and accumulate because they don't have the infrastructure to dispose of it properly they end up burning it and so Sure, in developed countries, a lot of this burning, like backyard burning of plastic might not happen, but it does happen in a lot of different parts of the world because they don't have a choice. It's either live with garbage in your backyard or you burn it. So the fumes accumulating over time, probably not good for humans in general. So that's one harmful effect of having too much plastic around. And also plastic in the ocean and again i'm gonna bypass the issue of the negative effects of plastic to marine life because there are people out there who don't care about sea sea creatures anyway so i'm gonna bypass this and go directly to how it affects humans in in a direct way and that is plastic doesn't really degrade it doesn't deteriorate what happens to plastic is over time it breaks up into smaller pieces and fishes and and things that we eat that live in the ocean end up eating it so if we eat things full of micro microplastics guess where that microplastic is now residing in us so if you don't know too much microplastics too much plastics in your body can be toxic. There was a paper I read today. It was specifically about shellfish. And they were saying that shellfish have increased amounts of microplastic in the last however many years. And humans that eat those shellfish will ingest the microplastic. And too much of those microplastics in human body can be toxic to us. So those are two really just direct to human harmfulness of too much plastic being in the earth. 
And the reason why I'm talking about the plastic recycling crisis is because plastic recycling seems like a good solution to having too much plastic lying around, right? Because plastic, like I said, doesn't really, it takes forever. I've read 400 years to, for it to, to degrade. And it, even then it doesn't completely go away. So if you recycle it, if you recycle plastic and repurpose it to something else, then you get rid of the waste and you have a new product. So it seems like a, a double win there. So the way that plastic recycling happened for much of the developed world developed world in the last 30 years is that they would take recyclable plastic they would gather it and they would ship it to china and china would take it they would buy it and they would use it to recycle and the reason why china did this is because they were a growing economy they had huge demand for plastic but they couldn't i guess they didn't have the resources to produce new plastic so they needed raw material for plastic, and that came in the form of recyclable plastic. So the U.S., England, Australia, much of the European countries, they took their their recyclable waste and they shipped it to China. And China paid to get this, and it solved two problems. It solved the the waste accumulation in in these developed countries. And it met demand. It met supply for the demand for for plastic in China, and it was working presumably well. I don't know. I think there are. I've read some things that suggest a lot of the plastic that went to China ended up being thrown out, thrown out into the ocean, anyways, because they didn't meet cleanliness levels and, and things like that. But we're going to talk about that later. So, presumably, it's been working well, but China last year, they actually banned much foreign plastic from coming into their country. I think, in effect, it banning it wasn't really what they did. What they did was they put a lot of restrictions on what type of plastic can come in, what the composition of the waste can be, and things like that. And it was so strict that it effectively meant banning and so countries like the US, Australia, England, I, I keep mentioning those three countries because it's what I read about, but they were left holding plastic that for years they've been shipping to China and they don't know what to do with it. And this, this ban, it's terrible because I read that 90% of the produced plastic in the world that was going to be recycled actually went to China. So if you are a resident of the United States and you have one of those blue recycling bins, or in my case, we have a, a pink, separate pink trash can that we put our recyclable goods in there. A lot of the times, well, in the past, it went to China, but now it's just sitting in landfills because they collect those wastes, those recyclable wastes, but they don't know where to put it. There's nowhere nowhere for it to go. In, in fact, in England last year, they had to burn half a million tons of plastic. And it, it sounds bad. So to be fair, 
they it's not like they just set a fire to a heap of plastic and, and called it a day what do they what they do is they have these facilities that they call waste to energy facilities so they have these machinery that that can burn and capture the heat of released by these these wastes and they do it in a way that they capture most of the the co2 emissions and things like that but it's it's not as bad as burning plastic in your backyard but it, it's also not 100 perfect so there is some leakage of fumes and things like that so it's not ideal it's, it's definitely not ideal compared to actually recycling but, but that's what that's what england had to do because they had all this leftover plastic that wasn't going anywhere anymore and australia now is is struggling with 1.3 million ton stockpile of recyclable waste that it doesn't know what to do with it's just sitting there and in in america there are a bunch of cities that apparently have completely stopped recycling programs because again they don't know what to do with it they collect recyclable goods from households and they take it to a waste management facility to be recycled but once they do that once they ship up a container with or once they have accumulated enough waste material recyclable waste material they don't know what to do with it because either they don't have the infrastructure to handle that or they don't have the resources or or time or labor to to sort through those things to recycle because all these issues are because they can no longer just ship it to china so that that is the plastic crisis you can google it and you'll see a bunch of articles just literally google plastic recycling crisis and it's going to detail pretty much everything i talked about just now about how china has banned the import of foreign plastic waste and in fact once china did that a bunch of other southeast asian countries decided that they'll take the plastic waste the plastic recyclable waste and they were quickly overwhelmed they underestimated how much plastic the world uses and even they had to pass laws saying oh we, we can't take anymore in fact i, I read a article from time from yesterday that said malaysia they're sending wait was it malaysia i'm sorry cambodia cambodia is now is shipping back a ton of plastic waste back to america because america america and other in china i'm sorry america and canada so america and canada shipped 1600 tons of plastic waste and cambodia is saying you can't accept this because a lot of it wasn't just recyclable waste a lot of just trash was mixed in with it or they had issues with the cleanliness of the plastic i'll get into that in a little bit as well but cambodia is, is simply saying hey this is actually criminal you guys sent us trash basically so they're sending it back so whatever recyclable waste we try to ship to other places in the past th those places are no longer option so domestically a lot of the developed countries need to figure out 
what to do with this accumulated heaps and landfills of plastic recyclable waste. And, and with that, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, we can talk about some of the, some of the reasons, well, some of the solutions and some of the reasons why this is more complicated than it sounds. Yeah, I'll be right back. And I'm back. And now I want to talk a, a little bit about why this whole plastic recycling crisis is a little bit more complicated than, than I might have presented it. Because some of you are probably thinking, well, why don't we retaliate and somehow make China receive our plastic again? Because it obviously worked well from the, for them in the past, right? But it's not that it's not that simple because, first, I don't, I don't know foreign policy wise if that's actually ethical. But also, plastic that we've been sending China wasn't simply plastic that you can recycle always. So the, the way that plastic recycling works is there are not there are a lot of different types of plastic, and also the plastic can't be contaminated with food waste. Otherwise, the plastic that's made or, or or recycled, its integrity is compromised and, and things like that. Or it's just not good plastic. So when you recycle plastic, you have to be able to sort the different types of plastic. In fact, there are certain types of plastic that you just can't recycle because it's, it's too low grade. And you have to make sure that they're clean and ready to use. But the way that, at least in the U.S., plastic recycling is collected it's through single stream recycling so what that is is if you have a house or maybe some apartment complexes too if you have a trash bin you might also have a recycling bin where you can put all your recyclable goods and this isn't just plastic but it's also paper it's glass whatever you can recycle they encourage you to place in that bin, right? And they'll take it away. So my understanding of that was it, it makes it easier for us and it encourages us, which is the intended effect. They implemented the single stream recycling because not enough people were recycling prior to that. So it's a, it's a method, it's a way to encourage that, encourage recycling in general. And so obviously when that plastic when the recyclable waste is gathered and amassed there must be some place that sorts it right some place that splits everything out and makes sure that the paper waste is set aside the plastic waste is set to a different place and glass aluminum they're all split apart so that they can be recycled appropriately but if you think about that that process it, it takes a lot of labor Unless you have very complicated and sophisticated machinery, I don't think it's easy to not only sort out the different types of material, but also the different types of plastic. And a lot of Americans, I'm sure, they throw their plastic waste into the plastic recycling bins with food still on it or food still in it in, in whatever form it takes, right? So all those things means that being able to take the recyclable 
waste from American households and making it usable for recycling, it takes, it's very labor intensive. And, and that's why America has been shipping it to China for the longest time, because it's not, it's not profitable to do it here. It was profitable because China was taking it in, they were, they were buying these plastic waste, right? And even then, even when they were being shipped to China, it, I, was, I kind of alluded to this before, a lot of it, because of the ways that it needs to be sorted out and cleaned to be recycled, a lot of the plastic that was deemed not clean enough, they were either sent to other cleaning facilities or just simply dumped. So I don't know if you guys have heard this. I don't know if you call it a statistic or, or I guess it's a statistic, but there's this fact flying around in, on Twitter and things like that saying, 90% of the plastic in the ocean comes from 10 rivers. And these 10 rivers, I think of the 10, eight are in Southeast Asia. And two are in Egypt or near Egypt and Africa. But th that was to try to prove the point that most of the plastic waste is actually from Asia, the other side of the world, instead of America and, and Europe, right? But with this recycling method in mind you have to realize a lot of that plastic is probably from the developed worlds anyways that they were just simply dumped in china not that it it, it wasn't origin it didn't originate in china it was probably shipped there and when they looked at it they said oh this isn't worth cleaning or this is too messy so we can't use this so they probably dumped it but but i digress i getting back to the main point plastic recycling isn't super simple it's not that profit it's actually not profitable in america and I, I read that a lot of it has to do with the fact that we don't have the proper procedure the proper protocols for recycling here because we've been shipping it offshore for so long we we don't have the infrastructure to properly move around the plastic recyclable waste and so I think we need to start talking about what the solution is. And this is really the part that I really hope you guys listen to or at least think about because it's good and dandy to know about crises happening in the world. But the reason why I think a lot of people want these crises to be told to people is so that a solution can be found or people are motivated to action and so i don't have the solution i'm not smart enough for for the solution for this big of a crisis what do we do with all this unrecyclable waste plastic that might end up being burned and ruining the air that we breathe or being thrown into the ocean and making us ingest microplastics that that are harmful to us when we eat sushi or, or fish so what what is the solution i i don't know what the solution is but i do have a few imperfect solutions that i want to talk about to kind of get your noggins going so that you can think about better better solutions but one of the one of the things is maybe the government can incentivize recycling some sort of s subsidy to help recycling 
facilities do it better or just give them more money so that it becomes profitable. I don't know if you guys remember Apple computers back in the day when you could only see them really in, in schools because no one really bought Apple computers. And that was because PCs were far more popular and the government said we don't want PC to have a monopoly in, per in the computer in the personal computer space. So they bought a bunch of Apple computers for, for schools so that they wouldn't go under. And now they don't need to do that anymore because they're wildly popular. But the government is known to prop up certain industries when they need to be, right? So I would think that recycling, you could make a case that recycling needs a lot of help. So maybe the government can, can give recycling companies some money so that when they do recycle plastic that they won't go into the red but rather they would make profit that's one solution another solution is maybe we limit the with through policy and law we limit the amount of new plastic that can be produced every year in the u.s i'm sorry i don't know if you guys are listening internationally or not but i'm going to keep this specific to the U.S. because that's what I know. Some of these might apply to other countries too, but I can't be sure. But if, if the U.S. can limit the amount of new plastic produced every year, then that would drive demand for recyclable plastic up, right? Because people need plastic. I, I've, read a, I've read a thing just before recording this that 50% of most cars and airplanes are actually comprised of plastic. So I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that plastic is just super cheap to produce. But whatever the case may be, if, at least in the short term, if plastic, the production of new plastic is limited, people might look to recycling plastic so that they can use that in, in the absence of new plastic being produced. And... If the demand for recyclable plastic goes up, maybe better ways of recycling will pop up. Maybe different methods, more efficient methods, more cost-effective methods might start popping up. Might, people might start thinking about those. And I know those two uh, solutions don't... They're not ideal, for sure, because that means more burden on the taxpayers and probably more burden on small business owners. As, as a husband to... A small business owner, my wife's small business, bubble tea business, if plastic prices went up and her plastic cups became more expensive because new plastic production was limited, then it probably will hurt, will most definitely hurt her bottom line. So again, I know that these are imperfect solutions, but I just throw them out there because I'm hoping that people can be smarter than me and come up with better solutions some other solutions that i want to talk about again these are not perfect but maybe we should get rid of the single stream recycling that we have in the u.s where we throw all plastic goods into a single bin and hope that some facility out there can can manage that my brother lives in south korea with his family so i, I go visit him I try to go at least once a year. And when I go, the way that they handle waste management is incredible because 
they have to meticulously split out all recyclable goods and they if they don't there's penalties they have to pay fees and fines and so they have a, a bin for cardboard they have a separate bin for plastic that they actually have to wipe down and, and wash off food waste out of they they have a different stack for paper for for aluminum for glass and something different for food waste and for food waste they actually charge if the weight of your food waste is above a certain threshold so there's all these rules and regulations and fines associated with with waste the way that you put out your waste yet it incentivizes people to or actually you know makes people uh, need to to sort their their recyclable goods so that they can be taken to recycling facilities and and easily be recycled and if, if south korea can do it I, I see no reason why americans couldn't do it I, I know the statistic on how many americans actually recycle is is very low you know <laughs> concerningly low but i think just saying that we should we should keep with single stream recycling because it at least encourages people to recycle isn't really beneficial because it's not helping anyways a lot of that isn't being recycled anyways so yeah i think it's 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 good to challenge ourselves to to reduce waste and maybe governments can fund new recycling techniques i touched on the waste to energy facilities that that england has and they're more prevalent in england than in america because america just has a lot more land that they can use as landfill and obviously it's cheaper to just throw plastic out than having to burn it and capture the heat and, and, and create energy so maybe more funding into those facilities to make them safe and efficient that, that could be a solution I, I know that the toxins that the people talk about the toxins of burning plastic can't be 100 percent contained even in these facilities and they'll have a adverse effect on the atmosphere and all that so again that's not a perfect solution but if we can get it efficient enough that it's in, if it's a negligible amount of fumes being released then maybe that is a solution so yeah that is the the podcast for today i really just hope today it, it opened people's eyes if if you're an environmentalist who feels good about the recycling they do in their household i hope this kind of shocked you and sh and shakes you into action because most of the plastic that we recycle in our households guys they don't end up being recycled anyways they end up in landfills and you might as well be throwing them into the regular trash and i had a conversation with a friend not too long ago who said why would you want people to know this because americans are notoriously bad at recycling if you let people know about this issue they'll just stop recycling altogether i actually think that more information more knowledge is better so the the more the people know the better chances we have at coming across solutions so that that's the reason why i'm doing this today i'm hoping that this 
causes you guys to talk about it with your friends that that you you think about plastic and the implications of plastic you know whatever form it may take maybe maybe you stop using straws when you go to a certain coffee shops or maybe you don't use the plastic bags at grocery grocery stores who knows i whatever whatever it is that you end up doing as a result of this that reduces the need for plastic and increases the usability of plastic recyclable good or waste i think that's great so that is my plea to you guys today i'm really hoping that today's episode encourages and inspires you guys to look into the plastic issue uh, you, like i said before just google plastic recycling crisis and you'll you can learn all about it it's it's in several articles but unfortunately it doesn't get as much coverage as i I think it needs to receive so yeah talk to people about it and have conversations and let's let's try to it would be awesome if we can come up with a solution and yeah plastic waste no longer threatens the safety of of humanity and the usability or habitability of, of earth so thank you guys so much for listening if you guys have any feedback whatsoever, if anything I've said in today's podcast, because a lot of this is based on articles and, and papers and all that, if there was anything I said that is not true, if you have evidence to, to say that plastic being burned is not actually that bad for you or or plastic in the ocean is, is not a big deal or anything like that, please let me know. I, I, I want to learn. I don't want to be responsible for spreading false information so if you guys let me know i I will do an episode where i correct myself probably retract this one and and make sure that everyone has the the most accurate and up-to-date information so i am not afraid to do that i I am not afraid to say that i am i can be wrong because i am often wrong so yeah if if you want to reach out to me with any, any of that kind of feedback or just any feedback in general please email me at ihthtpodcast. That's ihthtpodcast. That's, I hope they hear this abbreviated podcast at gmail.com. Or you can comment on a post in on my Instagram at I hope they hear this. You just spell it out. I hope they hear this. And I have a post associated with every episode so that people can engage through the comments or if if you want it to be a private message that's fine too you can send me a direct message and third method is voice message if you go to anchor.fm slash ihtht you there is an option for you to send me a voice message and i have in the past used voice messages that i received to incorporate into future episodes because i love engaging in dialogue in that way so yeah please do that Thank you guys again so much for listening and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.